freestyle my sermons, and I haven't had a previous go at it because I didn't do the quarter to eight, so you're getting the trial run. The only, the only good thing about it is that I want to keep it short because 11 o'clock has all the other stuff that I, I can't go on too long today. So here's my attempt at a short sermon on Remembrance Day with readings about sacrifice. Okay, so, so there we are. There's the bullet point. Reading, readings about sacrifice. We have Christ being the sacrifice, making sacrifices in the heavenly temple, so there's no need for animal sacrifices in Israel's temple anymore. We have a sacrifice, and that was the once for all thing, and now Christ is at the right hand of God as a priest in heaven making sacrifices on our behalf. So we no longer need to observe the temple sacrifices. That's that that second reading to the Hebrews. And then, of course, we have that gospel reading where you have the Pharisees, the people that have turned religion into self-serving, um, status-seeking, and then you have the widow who gives all that she has to live on to support the temple. And so you have the, the two approaches to sacrifice. One is that this is not about sacrifice, this is about success. And with the widow, it is about sacrifice. On Remembrance Day, when sacrifice is one of the big words that we use to talk about remembering, remembering the cost of war, remembering what war costs us as a nation, and all those names up on that wall there, which are the young men that went away and didn't come back to Vernon. Their sacrifice was on our behalf. It was for us. And um, I think I can tell this story now. It's 25 years later. Um, the, it is someone who some of you are, know and are friends with, as am I. He's become one of my dear friends in this place, Bill Musselwhite. Um, when, when I had not met Bill yet, I was getting really involved as a pacifist in Armstrong and writing op-eds about, at that time, Kosovo. Um, that's when I really started paying attention to war and peace was the, the ethnic cleansing that went on in Kosovo and the news reports and the television coverage of the people behind cages. And, I'm, and I noticed in my heart, somebody needs to stop that. And then I was thrown into this quandary because I was raised as a Christian when war is never the answer. And here, all, everything in my being is saying, we need some people with guns to stop the bad people with guns. And so that led to a lot of thinking and reflection, reflection and reading. And my, but my early response was to get involved in the peace movement and say, no, this is not, never okay. There are always other options. We have to work on them. And that occasion, I wrote an op-ed and Bill Musselwhite wrote me a rebuttal privately to my email address. Um, there's a ringing here. Is there any way to help that ring at all? Okay, thank you. Um, so, the, so Bill wrote me a little email that said, you're totally wrong, buddy. Well-meaning, you know, nice, nice job, kid. You're on the right path, but you're a little naive. And what you don't appreciate is that the grunt with the AK-47 is standing in the shoes of Jesus. And I went, who is this weirdo? <laughs> and Bill has since become a fast friend. And I mean, he comes at it from a different point of view. And you know, we have military families here and so forth. And that, that was the beginning of my struggle with the Christian response to war and peace, which is why this is a hard sermon to preach briefly. I read book after book after book. And I came to the conclusion, I'm going to skip to the end of all of it, and say there are only two valid Christian approaches to war. One is the pacifist approach, which is it is never justified. Ever, 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 
right? And so the Mennonites famously adopt that position, as do the Quakers. Anglicans, being hand in glove with empire for so long, have never taken that view. But our view is called the just war position, which goes back to Augustine, who said war is sometimes justified under specific circumstances. And he laid out those circumstances. And um, rather than preach a sermon on it, I say, look up just war theory on Wikipedia. Augustine gives seven criteria. They are still relevant and valid. And so in my own reading, I shifted my view. I, I stopped being a full-on pacifist, um, and I became a just war person. But it didn't change my opinions about wars because I went from being against all war in general to against each war in particular. Because no war has ever met the criteria that at least not in the last century and a half, have, has ever met the criteria that Augustine laid out. It has never, never been a just war. It's always been elites cooperating with each other, willing to sacrifice the young people of their own nation to achieve their economic or political agendas. And on a, the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day, Armistice Day, that was a competition between the great colonial powers of Europe and when they won, what did they do? They imposed unbelievable oppressive colonial uh, um, hardship, not only on the Middle East, which they chopped up and created the Middle East, which we have today, um, but also in Europe, which led to fascism and World War II and all the rest of it. So even if you, like me, have come to the view that war is sometimes justified for Christians, the, the moral imperative to avoid war remains. And the question then becomes, what leads up to war and where do we stop it? Which leads us inevitably to politics. So yes, I know I'm stomping on all the mines in the minefield. <laughs> Church and politics should never mix. I know, I know. And yet, and yet they cannot help but mix if if church has any moral substance, it cannot be silent when great evil is afoot. And in fact, the church in Germany was criticized for saying, you know, uh, in World War II, that's just politics. We're just worried about the salvation of souls here. And Hitler went, that's exactly right. You churches shouldn't get too political. This is just politics now. So that whole reading about war and peace drove me into politics because as a Christian I believe in peace but there cannot be peace without justice and there cannot be justice without equity and so I then stopped reading about war and started reading about money and economics and power and politics because I still haven't figured it out where the leverage points are to stop us from doing it again. And I look at the world today and I say, are we doing it again? Have we learned nothing? So on this 100th anniversary of Armistice Day, when the vast majority of the population, never mind the powers, the, the, the power brokers, the politicians and the leaders who carved up the empires the way they wanted them, the ordinary people who had lost sons and had hardship and starved and all the rest of it after, like the, the ordinary people are the ones that suffer hugely in war, the civilians, who said never again. 
Let's never do this again. I implore you as fellow brother and sister Christians to pay attention, to get involved at whatever sphere of influence we have to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. The last thing I'll say, this is as short as I can make it, is that this drives us inside. We can't just get out there and be activists because we can be activists all we like, but then we become what we hate and we become willing to do violence in the name of our vision of righteousness. If we are true servants of peace, then we go inside and find peace on the inside. And that means understanding the root causes of violence within our own psyche. And all I will say about that is it's always about fear. It's not about greed. It's not about lust. It's about fear. It's the raw terror that you are under threat and therefore you feel like you have no solution but to violently stamp out the threat. And that is what gets exploited every time by every political activist on left, right, up, down, I don't care, rich, poor, that if they can make us afraid, then we will do violence on their behalf. And there's always an agenda. So where we say, no, never again, not us, is we look at the root causes of our own fear so that when I'm staring at a screen and they're showing me pictures of suffering people, I don't instantly do what they want me to do, which is to go, somebody go blast them. But ask the questions, be critical. What is going on? What are the causes of the suffering? What are the right solutions? How can we do everything possible short of resorting to violence? Accepting that sometimes there is no alternative. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.